Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. I call our current business, quite frankly, a happy accident. The business is so much greater than the original business ever was, but it came from a place that was completely accidental. Today on episode 505 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the CEO of It's Relevant TV, Jonathan Krakow. I'm going to ask Jonathan how he pivoted from his initial hypothesis about revenue to land on a scalable model that worked and much more. Find out more about Jonathan along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Jonathan, I want to talk to you about how much repeating patterns are costing you. Those patterns are the ones that constantly put you back in debt and have you pick the wrong kind of relationships. They're the ones that keep you stuck. Do you want to put an end to your repeating patterns and finally smash the plateau? Check out the free training offered by our friends, Live at Choice. You can access this free training at liveatchoice.com slash positive thinking. That's liveatchoice.com slash positive thinking. Now let's welcome Jonathan Krakow. Jonathan is a media magician. He's a leader in creative production, marketing, and distribution for television, interactive, and mobile media. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So Jonathan, what's a media magician? <laughs> That's a good question. It's a little play on words. I've been an actual performing magician since I was a young child, since I was about four years old. So I like using the term magic in a lot of the things that I do. But uh, in terms of media magic, it's really taking media and melding it in a way to come up with a kind of a achieve a goal. And so I've been able to do a lot with the video medium and the mobile mediums that have developed over the last couple of decades uh, to achieve goals for businesses. You know, actually, that's a, a really interesting description. So, you know, as somebody who's a podcast host, I guess we're also in the media business. Absolutely. Right. There's so many people that use media to create and share content. But I think what I've seen is that there are a lot of people that don't think about what goals they're trying to achieve. And they don't specifically look at the media portion of what they do as it directly relates to achieving those goals. So true. So true. I mean, I think a lot of people think about that in terms of social media. We've seen patterns over the last several years of people feeling like, well, everyone's on social, so my business should be there. But then they're not really thinking about what do I do with it when I'm there too? Like, how is it that I'm trying to meet them or what's the message? And like I said, video has been my kind of core uh, zone, my, my area of real expertise, an area that I studied and both that I've worked in for a couple of decades now. And it's that medium that really brings things to life. It brings magic, you know, <laughs> certainly to things uh, as well. So w what are some of the ways that video can achieve goals? Well, it's easy at kind of bringing a compressed message, you know. So if you have an idea or a thought or even a few thoughts that you want to get across to folks, Video is a great way to do that. I know I've, I've heard the, the phrase over and over again, a picture's worth a thousand words. And I've heard people say, well, if a picture's worth a thousand words, then a video is worth so many more. But it's just that notion of, you know, in a short period of time, you can both show and tell and give people a feeling, just kind of an emotion 
by seeing a great video. And I think it does a lot. Uh, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I know some of the folks that have been on your program before are coaches and folks that engage with people one-on-one -on -one and personally. So video is a great kind of mechanism for them. But it also is a great mechanism for a business that has millions of customers or a business that has tens of thousands of employees in terms of getting a message across to them in a way that is consumable, it's concise, it's thought about, it's edited, you know, it's, it, you're really getting to the core points. And it conveys something in a shorter period of time than it would if you were kind of writing out a long essay or a, you know, a PDF document that you had to get something across. So I think that's what's so great about it. Jonathan, do you think that there's a way that video taps into emotions that can help achieve a business goal, particularly around marketing and sales, because people buy based on emotion in a way that, that other forms of communication don't do as well? Absolutely. I mean, without a doubt. If you look at, I mean, you look at, take a company like Apple and their products, when they came out with the iPod, that wasn't the first MP3 player on the market. It just was the most successful because they created something that had simplicity. It had this emotion of having a thousand songs in your pocket. The, the message that was conveyed and the excitement and everything through the video, through the commercials that they did was something that it really plays on that emotion. It's not telling people so much about your product. It's about what they feel or what they get when they're using it, that video is so good at. And that's, that's kind of what's led me to doing what we do today. Mm. So is that kind of like the core of what you do is, is capturing that emotion in video for, to help businesses with their business goals? Yeah. For, so what I'm doing now, and it, and it kind of took the course over the, the last few years, but we, um, my company now creates custom TV networks. So we looked at around it, okay, where do you see video, right? And a lot of folks would say, oh, on my mobile phone is kind of the top thing that comes out now, or on my computer. Or you might think back and say, well, I, obviously video is, lives on television. I mean, that's, that's like the first really video mechanism that's been around a long time. That's the staple that we all have in our homes. But many businesses are now adding televisions partially because they're so inexpensive, right? You, you can go to Best Buy and get one for 200 bucks. I actually saw a 50-inch television in the supermarket the other day for under 300 bucks. It's that pervasive <laughs> out there right now. But businesses are putting up TVs. And so what my company does is we've kind of really analyzed what is that TV doing for the business or what is it doing to the business in positive and negative ways? Because it's doing something depending on what you put on it. And so our focus is really around putting great things on the television, helping our clients, you know, strategize what they're putting on and then helping them fill in some content as well. So we're not just putting custom content on the screen at all times, because then you'd have to be a TV network of your own to do that. You know, each business does not have that much video, but it's about putting meaningful content, things that people enjoy watching mixed with content that helps the business. What's an example? Well, we, we work with a, a lot of medical offices. We work with car dealerships. We work with sports arenas. I mean, we work in a, a variety of industries and something like a car dealership, for instance, prior to us coming in, you know, they're using cable television. It's the easiest, most accessible thing you can get for TV. And uh, what they find on cable is that they're showing kind of uncontrolled content. So maybe it's Jerry Springer's on right now, or maybe they have CNN on and they're just showing the news. 
And they find that customers are complaining more and more about that kinds of content. You know, that it's too political or, you know, it, there's something that they don't like Judge Judy or whatever it might be. And on top of that, they're actually creating some risks for the business in that someone like a car dealership, if you've got cable TV on, you're seeing, you know, 16 to 22 minutes of ads in an hour. And in that 16 to 22 minutes of ads, you probably get four minutes of advertising for other car dealerships. So you're actually telling your customers where they can buy a car for less money. It's just crazy. So we come in, we remove all of that competitive advertising. We have something called competitive ad block, a, a registered trademark of ours. And then we really strategize around what do their customers want to see? And it's not just automotive stuff because we're all human beings. Just because you're in a car dealership right now or a medical office or a restaurant doesn't change who you are and what you like watching. So we look at the demographics of the folks that are there and we bring in a variety of content. So there might be a cooking show and then there might be some home and garden stuff or a news brief that only goes on for 60 seconds and doesn't have opinions or people sitting around a table arguing about what the president is or isn't doing today. Really kind of neutral or positive things to get people in a good mindset while they're there. And then we mix in ads for their own business. So that car dealership can talk about the new model that just came out or the fact that they've got a great lease offer or that they've got something going on in service that it, that they take care of everything for you, a great warranty, something like that. Uh, we mix in their social media even. So we've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We bring in their posts live on the television. So in real time, as they're posting new stuff to those social media networks, it comes up on the TV and that encourages their visitors to follow them as well. So it's just doing more with the television to get them engaged, to get people not feeling bored, not counting the minutes, entertain them, inform them, but then also have some gentle messaging so that the business is actually getting something out of the TV, not just the visitor's happiness, which is obviously very important as well. But once the visitor's happy being there, let them know reasons that they can come back, kind of that upsell opportunity. Mm. So these are these are video monitors that are displaying inside the car dealership. That's correct. For visitors and customers to see. Exactly, exactly. Jonathan, this is an an incredibly fascinating niche. How did you get into this? Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. So the the company itself started out as a news company in Stamford, Connecticut. We were very hyper locally focused. Our kind of hypothesis coming into this was that the most relevant, so our company's called It's Relevant, and our hypothesis was the most relevant news or happenings to you would be the ones that are most local to you. So we created a video network for news that was competing with, you know, local or regional television networks, um, you know, ABC, NBC, Fox, those types, and then local regional kind of, uh, you know, 24-hour news networks as well. And we put together video news that we really had this editorial focus of trying to find things that people could be a part of as opposed to be a victim to. So if you think about news overall, and you turn on TV news, uh, a lot of it's political now, but beyond that, you're looking at car accidents, fires, shootings, stabbings, a lot of crime, a lot of stuff that's, uh, you know, kind of a lot of downers, you know, a lot of uh, depressive kind of things that, that are coming on. And there's a lot of stuff going on in each and every community throughout this nation that's great, that you could be a part of. 
But so much of the news cycle is dedicated to this negative stuff that people never see it. So we kind of set out. We said, look, there's plenty of stuff going on. Let's start in Stamford, Connecticut. Let's find the good news. And not just the good news, but the, the news of what's really important to the folks in Stamford and show it to them. And so in 2011, we, we launched uh, and we started doing just that. We had a, uh, a crew of um, video journalists that went out. They, you know, set up interviews. They talked to folks. They went out to events. And they created short two-minute packages of this news, brought it back, and we broadcast it on the internet and on mobile devices. As we went, we produced in about four years' time, we produced about 10,000 original videos, which you can imagine being just, I know we crossed, recently crossed the 500-episode threshold here on this podcast. You can imagine 10,000 <laughs> episodes of video being done, how much work goes into that. And that was all in just one town. We were really focused in this one-town hyper-local market. The challenges, though, that we faced were really around generating revenue. So we had venture capital funding. Uh, this operation, the, the plan and the idea of scale of it was to scale it across the country, have news crews everywhere, and really redefine the way people thought about local news. But it's expensive. You know, having multiple people in each town, not just region, but town, reporting every day and creating video is not cheap. And we were advertising supported just like every other news station, you know, website, uh, newspaper that was out there. And it was unbeknownst to me at the time, but we were actually in one of the most saturated markets for hyperlocal news in the country. A reporter for uh, the Columbia Journalism Review had, had reached out for an interview and shared with me that there were 56 hyperlocal news outlets in Fairfield County alone uh, where we operated. So it was very saturated and very, very difficult to get to kind of cut through that. You know, there were folks in town that had been advertising with the newspaper or with television for years. So how do you convince them to kind of jump ship there or take some of their money and try something new with it. It's very difficult. A lot of businesses are kind of set in their ways. So we, uh, we spent about four years creating the news, generating an audience. And at the tail end of it, we created a television network. Uh, and this TV network had a very limited audience. Uh, it was the idea of it was to put it into public places within the town. So we got it into the town library. We got it into an ice cream place. We got it into a medical office. Uh, a car dealership, and just found places where people were waiting and they had the kind of local news tuned on that TV all day anyway. And our kind of value proposition to them was, look, we've got a better news product. You've got better programming here that your customers will enjoy watching more. And on top of that, kind of the icing on the cake for them was we're going to give you ways to promote yourselves. So in the ways that I described earlier about how the TV platform works and how they can promote themselves, put their own videos in place, put messages on the screen, show their social media, was all part of that kind of initial pilot platform that we created. And it was a great success. The platform itself was something that the businesses loved. And we soon had businesses asking us, hey, can we put this in other locations for our business. We have a location here in Stamford, Connecticut, but we also have one in Miami, Florida, and one in Manhattan, in New York City, uh, and one in California. When can we put it there? And so we kind of had this crisis, you know, within our business of a uh, crisis of scale, like, how do we scale up? I mean, our dream, obviously, was to scale up across the country and do this. 
But I don't have news crews in Miami. <laughs> I don't have news crews in Manhattan. And the cost of adding those crews on was very, very high. And so it really, it was an opportunity for us to kind of take a look back. And, and at that point in our kind of history, we had to, you know, kind of ask some serious questions around that. So Jonathan, I, I find it fascinating that you had an initial, an initial hypothesis about where the revenue was going to come from for this the business model with the hyper-local news that wasn't working the way you had anticipated. You came up with a second hypothesis about where you could have your videos displayed, where you thought there, there would be an audience and there would be revenue. And then a third opportunity that was totally unexpected from these businesses emerged and you paid attention to it and pursued it. And that has kind of led you in the direction where, where your business model is now. Yes, absolutely. I, I've always found that, that kind of the, uh, kind of the greatest things that, and I call our current business, quite frankly, a happy accident because the business is so much greater than the original business ever was, but it came from a place that was completely accidental. But at the same time, it came from us listening you know, hearing feedback and then acting upon it. Uh, and so when our clients were saying, hey, we'd like to have this here, we, we asked them, you know, well, we can't produce local content is where we went with it. We said, look, we, we don't have local crews in Manhattan or in California or in Miami. What is it about this TV product that you like the most? And, you know, the, among the things that they said were, well, we like engaging content. We like the fact that we can message to folks and so we said, well, maybe we can do that without having to produce all the content ourselves. And so that's when we really shifted the business. We did kind of an overlap for about a month where we tested this idea out of, okay, is this is TV really our business now? Are we moving into the TV business? And so we continued to do the news reporting. We continued to deliver it online. And at the same time, we were growing our local base for people that were you know, having it on television. Uh, and we started to test putting in content that we started to license from outside our company. So instead of producing the content ourselves, which was the model all along, we kind of said, well, wait a minute, that's really costly and impossible for us to scale this quickly. What if we went to people that already produced content across the country and licensed it from them, got their permission, paid them every time we played it, but utilized something that was already there? And that's where what really moved us into the direction that we are today. And, and our content now really comes out of these licensing agreements. We produce very little ourselves. And most of it just comes from working with so many partners worldwide. So, Jonathan, reflecting back on this listening strategy that you just described, are there steps that you took that you think, if you had to do it again, could accelerate this happy accident outcome of a new opportunity? I think doing your homework before you start is extremely important. I came into this organization as a VP. I was promoted to CEO after the first year by the board of directors. But when I came in, kind of the revenue model and everything was already set. I had co-founded the business, but a lot of my work was on content creation and, you know, kind of my passions around video. The advertising end of it and that whole model was something that was done with a lot looser math than I think that uh, businesses should really use. You know, the models I remember hearing about were all 
you know, kind of stated, well, the market is worth X. And if we can get 1% of the market, then we would be making Y. And I think that those generalizations don't really work. You know, they're, they're too, they're too wide. They're not specific enough. And I think it's really worth doing the research out front. And when we made the pivot to doing TV, we conducted focus groups. We did one-on-one interviews uh, in three different states. And we started talking to people about what do they want to watch on TV when they're in these places. Look, we can have every hypothesis in the world ourselves, but until we talk to people that are actually going to be there in front of it, we're not going to learn you know, what's going to be most successful. So part of that listening strategy was around creating more conversations that we could listen in, not just waiting for feedback, but asking for feedback and creating situations in which we would get immediate feedback from people. And focus groups are just one way, one great way to do that. Yeah. Well said. Jonathan, what does the future look like? Where do you dream to take this business? We just continue to scale. We're now in over 30 states. So, you know, going from one small town, well, one city in Connecticut, it's not a small town. There's 120, 130,000 people that live there. But one town, one city in Connecticut to now in over 30 states across the country, we just continue to scale. And I see it scaling further and further. We're working with a lot larger companies now. We're working with and on both ends, on both the sides of where we, you know, power the televisions, but also in the kinds of content partners that we have and where we're getting content from. You know, so I think we're just looking to grow in general. The beauty of this business and the way that we've designed it is that it's scalable. Unlike the first business that had so many hiccups in scalability because we had to have crews of people everywhere we go, we can really truly scale this business that if someone was to call up tomorrow and say, hey, we want to double the number of screens uh, you have, you know, by by putting in, you know, however many over here, we could do that. You know, we're able and ready to do that. And our all of our planning has been around that scalability. Um, the technology that we've built, the content that we license, everything is scalable. So I just see it as a kind of the continued growth. Uh, a lot of companies in our arena, you know, folks that are in media or in high tech or in startups, you know, really look to have an exit strategy. You know, a lot of these companies that are VC backed or looking to get acquired, you know, they're, they've got an, a way out, so to speak, that's not in the overall growth of the business. It's just in creating enough kind of value in the future brand. I think that, that that's where a lot of people go. We're not that way. That's not what we're looking to do. We're looking to continue to grow it and, um, you know, and just see it go on and on. Sounds great. Well, Jonathan, if um, anyone wants to go deeper with anything you've said today or get in touch with you, where would they go? Sure. Our main website is itsrelevant.com. So I-T-S relevant.com. And uh, that's really the best place to find out all about it. You can see sample videos. uh, You can see some of the content. And that's really where you can learn much, much more about it. We have links to our social media and things there as well. But the site does a really good job of explaining kind of our approach uh, to television inside of businesses. And do you have a free gift for our listeners? Absolutely. If the visitors mention this podcast, we give them the first month free of their subscription. So we are a subscription model, just like cable TV is. You just get far more out of what we're offering you know, and your ability to message and control the kinds of content that we have. Jonathan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and um, share 
both what you're doing in your business and also how you have made several really important critical pivots to gain the kind of traction that you've gained. My guest today has been the CEO of It's Relevant TV, Jonathan Krakow. Thank you again, Jonathan, for joining us. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how Jonathan pivoted from his initial hypothesis about revenue to land on a scalable model that worked and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.